Now, Father, I just want to thank you for the series that we've been doing. Lord, thank you for your word that it is living and active. And God, I want to pray for Howie. I just want to thank you for the way he serves you, for the way he serves us. I just want to honor him in the Lord and ask Holy Spirit that you would anoint him and fill him tonight as he shares this message. Lord, with us, may you breathe on your word tonight. Lord, may it come alive. May it challenge us. We thank you, God, that you've blessed us with teachers of the word of this caliber. And God, I pray that we would soak it up and honor you and glorify you, Lord, as we receive this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Roland. Can you hear me okay? Good. Uh, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, as I'm sure you all well know. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for many weeks, and we have many weeks to go. We're in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. Here we go. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by people. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's amazing how relevant these words are for us today, even though they were first spoken 2,000 years ago. What has changed between the Pharisees that Jesus was speaking about, who were able to impress people with their good works, was the amount of people that we can now impress with our good works. The Pharisees could maybe impress 30, 50 on a good day at the temple, maybe 100 people with their good works. We today can broadcast the great things we're doing to vast numbers of people at the touch of a button. There's also a new phenomenon that I want to refer to because I think it has relevance to Jesus' sermon. It's called virtue signaling. You all know what that is. That's when we use a situation to be able to show other people how virtuous we really are. In other words, something small can happen and we can become outraged by the injustice of the situation. Uh, but the truth is we're really just showing people what a great social justice warrior we, we are. And we care less about that thing. And so we can use situations, we can use social media to make ourselves look good and to show other people how virtuous we are. Doing things to look good and to impress other people was a very common in Jesus' day. As we've read, the Pharisees literally used to draw attention to the fact that they were about to give money to a poor person or do something good. They would blow trumpets, they'd gather a crowd and say, here I am, look what I'm about to do. People literally gloried in their own goodness. As I've mentioned before in sermons, the humility was something that Jesus introduced in a big way. In the Greco-Roman world, the idea was to really show off 
what you'd done, what you'd achieved. And so the Pharisees found many ways to, to show off, to signal their virtue. And giving publicly was one of the ways. But we know from Jesus' speeches about the Pharisees that they had invented many other ways to show people how important and how virtuous they were. They dressed in a particular way. And we see today there's some people that do dress in a particular way to, to show others how devout they are. The Pharisees had numerous titles that they would use, all designed to get people to respect them and to show them deference. They had special seats in the synagogues for the important people. Sometimes even in our day, people will act all spiritual. Are you, are you familiar with the wobbly voice? <laughs> it, it's meant to give the impression that you know, I'm super spiritual and, and, and the Holy Spirit is at work through me. We're drawing attention to that fact. The Pharisees stage managed things to draw attention to themselves, to make themselves look good. Jesus did nothing like that. He, he tried deliberately to keep a low profile. Sometimes if Jesus healed a person, he would say, do me a favor, please don't tell anybody about this amazing miracle that you've experienced. We don't know how much Jesus gave. We don't know how often he fasted. We don't know how often Jesus prayed and for how long. He just doesn't give us a, a window into that aspect of his life. And so there was a world of difference between how the religious people of Jesus' day lived out their faith in a very showy-off kind of a way and with how Jesus lived out his relationship with God. Jesus says to us that we must be careful how we do our acts of righteousness. And the idea is to do them in such a way that we don't attract attention to ourselves. What are these good deeds that Jesus is referring to in this passage? One thing that's very clear is that Christians should be doing good deeds. Our faith in God should make us generous, gracious, compassionate, forgiving, empathetic, these are things that should naturally flow out of us because of our changed hearts. But this passage is all about doing it in such a way that doesn't make ourselves look good. So these are the good deeds that are being spoken about. Giving to the needy. This is not referring to giving to the church. That's another thing. Jesus is talking about you. When you help a poor person, don't draw attention to that fact. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is teaching us that in our giving there needs to be a measure of deception, almost sleight of hand. We mustn't let our left hand know what our right hand is giving and doing. Ah, you didn't see anything with that giving. The same refers to prayer. 
Don't draw attention to the fact of how much you've been praying and what an awesome time you've had with God and how spiritual you are. Jesus says when you pray, go into your room. Find the biggest cupboard in your room. Go into your closet. Shut the door. And there meet with God. And, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The Greek word here for your room, it's only found four times in the New Testament. And it means that, that inner room, or some Bibles use the term closet. Fasting requires special effort on our part. Jesus says, really fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Oh, I'm fasting, you know, I'm so spiritual, it's so hard fasting. Jesus says, don't do that. Skip along, so nobody knows that you're fasting. When you fast, middle of the screen, put oil on your head, wash your face, so it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting. Only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm always amazed how often people tell me that they're fasting when they're fasting. I think some people think that if you're fasting, part of it involves having to tell a pastor or something, you know. It really doesn't. <laughs> the number one rule of fasting is not to talk about it. If you're dieting, <laughs> Jesus says here, be careful. Be careful. This is what is my mic coming and going. It feels that way. I'll, I'll use a, a handheld. Thank you. Can you hear me? Good. Now, where was I? Okay. Jesus says, be careful. We say be careful to one another when we're about to do something crazy like go mountain biking or something like we say please be careful it's because we know we're about to embark on something that's very risky so jesus says to us when we're about to live out our christian faith and there's a chance that other people could be impressed by what we're doing he says be careful watch out for this thing don't get don't slip up keep an eye out for this danger the danger of inadvertently, inadverted commas, impressing other people with how spiritual we are. And this can happen even in a testimony in church, where people come up and grab the mic and tell you this amazing story of what they've done. Testimonies need to be about what God is doing and what God has done in our lives. Not an opportunity to virtue signal. What are these acts of righteousness that Jesus is talking about here? In the Greek language, the, the Greek word is dikaiosune, and it's, this, it's, it's a word that has more than one meaning in English. It means both acts of justice and acts of righteousness or holy living. All of that's wrapped up in what Jesus is talking about here. 
There are three acts of righteousness specifically mentioned, giving to the poor, having a quiet time, and fasting. But there are many, many others. And Jesus says to us, be careful. Watch out that you don't do these things to gain favor and impress people. Don't piggyback onto what is a good thing, a little bit of shining or trumpet blowing yourself. And I was thinking, why is it that we, we crave the affirmation and attention of other people? Often it's because we feel so terrible about ourselves or we're, we're broken inside. And so we want somebody else to tell us that we're okay and we're, we're, we're good. But we should be living from a, for an audience of one. And it's God's affirmation that, that we should long for because that's what really counts. Let me tell you a very scary story of a couple in the early church that did their act of righteousness before people to impress them. You don't have to read very far in the history of the early church. You only get to the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And we read about a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. And they were obviously felt moved to help poor people in their church community, which is a pretty amazing thing to do. And so they sell a property. Here we go. They sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Many people were doing this. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? What gets said next is very important. Verse 4, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? They didn't have to sell their, their extra property to free up cash to help poor people. They didn't have to do that. Nor did they have to give all of the profit to, to the church. They could have given 10%. They could have given 90%. The problem was they pretended that they'd given everything. They were doing a good thing, but they just couldn't miss out an opportunity of impressing a whole lot of people. And when Ananias is challenged by Peter, he drops down dead. I'd like to believe he just had a heart attack and that he wasn't zapped from on high. And great fear gripped the church. Three hours later, his wife arrives, not knowing what has happened. Peter tells, says to her, tell me, is this the, the price that you and Ananias got for the land? She could have said, well, it's not the full price. We, uh, you know, we're keeping 30% of the money ourselves, but we still wanted to give this great offering. No, she's got to pretend that she's given it all. Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter says to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? The feet of the people that 
buried your husband are at the door and they've come to carry you out also. Moral of the story, if you want to give money to the church, that's fantastic. But don't do it in a way that draws attention to yourself. Be careful, friends, how we do our acts of righteousness, lest we do them before people to be seen by them. If we do, we will have no reward from our Father in heaven. Here's another example from the Bible of a person who is getting their, their outworking their faith all wrong. To those who were confident of their own righteousness and who looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself. I think some translations even bring out the point that he's praying to himself. Whatever's going on here, praying about himself, praying to himself, this is not the way to do it. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. On the surface of it, this is a good guy. He's not committing adultery. He's not stealing. He's, he's giving a tenth of all he has to the synagogue, the temple. This is a good guy. But he messes it all up because he's trying to impress other people with his, with his own goodness. Jesus says this is how it should be done. There's a tax collector he stands at a distance. He won't even look up to heaven. He feels so ashamed of his life. And he says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. It's not, gee, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like these other terrible sinners. It's God have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. This man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Who is this first guy, the Pharisee? Let me bring it into our context. He's a person who's participating in public worship. He's praying out aloud in public, and we all know that takes a certain, you know, are you a, a, a don't pray out aloud person, or are you, you know, spiritually mature? You do do the praying out aloud in, in public gatherings. Well, he's, he's, he's there. He's a level two. He's involved in community life. He's carrying responsibilities, recognized by other people as, as, as being important. He's living a good life. But it all counts for nothing because he thinks he's the bee's knees. And he's doing his spirituality in front of other people. Sure, he wants to impress God, but he's also trying to impress people. Jesus talks a lot in the Sermon on the Mount about rewards. Rewards. It's something we don't talk about too, too often as Christians. You know, we're too spiritual to let anybody know we're doing something to get a reward. 
we like to think we're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Like paying your TV license. But Jesus talks a lot about rewards. And we should be motivated by the thought of being rewarded for the sacrifices and the, the godly behavior we, we do here. Nine times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do this and you will be rewarded. When you give to a poor person, Jesus says, your father sees what you do, even in secret, even if nobody else sees it, particularly if nobody else sees it, and will reward you. When you pray, go into your room, get in the cupboard, shut the door, have a time of prayer. Your father who sees what you do will reward you. When you fast, look all happy, don't tell anybody. Your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. The Old Testament teaches that the Lord searches our hearts to reward us. I think some of those rewards are in this life, but the best ones are in the life to come. Jesus says we must be storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to what they've done. John writes near the end of the Bible, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, that you may be rewarded fully. Even giving a person a cup of cold water has a reward attached to it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due us for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And the most potent passage of all about rewards is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it says we're going to be rewarded for what we've done for God. And if we've just done stuff for God in a casual way, oh, with stuff lying around in the metaphor of building. Here's a bit of straw, here's a stick, let me throw something together for God. He says when that thing that we've done for God gets tested by fire, it's all going to burn up. And we're going to arrive in heaven with the flames singeing our pants. Verse 15, your work is burned up, it will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Is that how you want to arrive in heaven? <laughs> oh, I've got no treasure here. That's unfortunate. Alternatively, if we choose to build for God on the right foundation, not on the foundation we want, but on the foundation which is Christ, and we build with things that are valuable to us, gold, precious stones, silver, then when it gets tested by fire, nothing's going to change, and we will be richly rewarded. Another thing that Jesus stresses in the Sermon on the Mount is that we can lose the rewards we've gained. We can lose the rewards that we've gained. It's possible to trade in your amazing heavenly reward 
for a crummy little reward down here. And sadly, many people choose to do that. When we do something good for God, we can either do it in private and be rewarded by the Lord one day, or we can exchange that reward for a pat on the back from a fellow Christian. Wow, well done, you're a great person. It's like the new Discovery Vitality setup. You can exchange a whole lot of little rewards for a big one, and vice versa. What do you want to do with your rewards? Do you want your reward, <laughs> your heavenly rewards, or do you want to swap them for, for the acclaim of people down here? Because what Jesus says is that we can't do it both ways. Either we get rewarded by God for what we do for him, or we get rewarded by people with their respect, our status going up, our ego being stroked. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy and you do it to, get, to impress people, you've received your reward in full. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us we can give our bodies to be burnt and give up everything we possess. But if we do it with a wrong motive, we gain nothing. Paul writes. When you pray on a street corner and you do it in such a way to show everybody your beautific face and how close you are to God and how amazing your fellowship is with him. What does it say? They've received their award in full. Same with fasting. What do we do about the tension that exists between Matthew 5.16 and Matthew 6 verse 4? In Matthew 5.16, Jesus says we must let our light shine before men and we must let them see our good works so that they will glorify our Father in heaven. But Jesus says... Oh, you must do these acts of righteousness in secret. So, so how do we resolve this tension? Jesus is talking about those things that you can do in secret and that are fundamentally between you and God. Do those things in secret. Don't do them in a way to draw attention to your spirituality. But in Matthew 5, Jesus is saying, as you live a godly life, and you respond to situations in a particular way, and you live in a way that cannot be hidden and that people will observe. People are watching us all of the time and drawing conclusions about our life and our relationship with God. And if we're living in a godly way, they will still see how we live, and that may open their eyes to the goodness of God. So I don't think there is a tension here. But we do have to wrestle with, I'm doing, we're trying to uh, build a church in Harare. To what extent do we put that on Facebook to show everyone this good thing we're doing and we want to involve them? Yes, there is a bit of a wrestle, but it's all about motive. As we close, 
Let's see what we can learn from the Pharisees. Jesus really didn't like the Pharisees. They were such a bunch of hypocrites. And he saved his special remarks for them. Let's leave it at that. He did say they were like whitewashed tombs, all sprightly white on the outside, but inside unclean and full of death. He called them a bunch of snakes. Jesus says everything they do is done for men to see. The way they dress, they make their phylacteries. That's that black thing you wind around your arm with a little box with a scripture verse in because they're literally, you know, binding God's word to their hand and their forehead. But they're doing it in a way to be seen by men. They love the places of honor at banquets. When you go to a church and there's a special seat for the special people, watch out. When you go to a church and there's lots of titles to describe different people, watch out. When you go to a church and certain people get to dress in certain outfits to make them stand out and look more important and more spiritual than the other people, watch out. Jesus talks all about this stuff. People, they love to be greeted in the marketplaces, to have be called rabbi. But you're not to be called rabbi. You have one master and you are all brothers. Don't call anyone on earth father. You know there's a church where all the ministers get called father. I'm not entirely sure how they gel it with this passage, where Jesus says specifically, don't let anybody call you father. Anyway, perhaps you could find a father and ask him. Nor you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. In some churches in Cape Town, pastors have armor bearers. Yeah. It's, it's sort of Old Testament imagery. It's really just the pastor's groupie, groupies that uh, run and bring him water in the sermon. Some even dab the pastor's forehead with a, with a sweat towel in the middle of the sermon. It's, thank you, Roland. It's just so contrary to, to the way God's taught us to live. Friends, will you be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before people, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, this is a serious warning from you. And that story about Ananias and Sapphira really does take the cake. Religion and its outworking always goes wrong when we start doing things to impress people.
Help us, Lord, to, to always have you as our focus. Lord, we want our light to shine before men. We want people to see our good works and to praise you. But help us to know when we should be doing things in secret. Forgive us, Lord, for seeking the, the affirmation from others. Help us to, to live for your commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Free us, Lord, from pride and this need for, for affirmation from others. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to share communion right now, which is a, a wonderful thing to do. Um, Astrid's probably going to lead us in a song. In fact, so let's do that. Let's stand.